Hey, Tim. Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall, where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can bring positive change to musical theater. Tim, what puzzler do you have for us this week? All right, we are going to take you back in time for this one. Are you ready? I'm ready. What female actress dominated the 1920s and early 1930s as one of the most popular Broadway musical stars who played rags to riches Cinderella characters? Good question. Yeah, I thought you might like that one. Yeah. Well, we'll circle back at the end of our episode and we will figure out that answer together. Perfect. What's in the news this week? So this week, we um, first off have a few shows that are closing on Broadway, but that have had a great run. So October 27th, Beautiful, the Carol King musical is closing. On Sunday, January 5th, which is right after the new year, Waitress is going to be closing. And then January 19th, right after the new year again, Oklahoma, the revival production is going to be closing. That's kind of bittersweet because I know a lot of people fell in love with Beautiful, the Carol King musical, as well as Waitress. And I know a lot of people that were really interested in wanting to see Oklahoma, the revival. So if there's anyone out there that wants to catch uh, Waitress or uh, Oklahoma before it closes, make sure you get out there right before New Year's because it is going to close right now. Now is the time. But you know what that means? This is what I always say when everybody gets really upset that it's closing. And we are as well. But you know what this means? It can go regionally and everyone can have a chance to see it and perform in it. I'm curious to see how many regional productions pick up Beautiful because it's such a complex character in the role Mm -hmm. of Carole King because they have to play piano, obviously. So I'm really curious to see what kind of steam it picks up regionally. I know, but I don't think everybody played piano when they performed it on Broadway because a lot of my friends that are MDs were like, yeah, she didn't play when I saw it. I think think Jesse Mueller would start the song. But then uh, the band would take over. So if anybody out there has either played the show or knows the show, uh, feel free to let us know. Yeah. The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical, just officially opened on Broadway on October 16th at the Longacre Theater. And it was just announced that SpongeBob SquarePants, which was a musical, a Broadway musical Mm -hmm. in 2017, is going to actually have a TV adaptation by Nickelodeon. And it's going to be in front of a live theater audience. So Nickelodeon's jumping in on the live (laughs) uh, theatrical experience. Uh, This is going to be exciting. I know a lot of people that saw SpongeBob SquarePants and they had mixed reactions to it. Listen, really I have it. a couple of students that love that musical. We didn't get a chance to see it on Broadway. Mm-hmm. But again, there's something for everyone out there. That's right. Now, they haven't set any dates exactly yet, but it's looking to do be premiered in December. But a bunch of the original Broadway cast is going to be returning for this live production on Nickelodeon, correct? Yes, you are correct. So we still have Ethan Slater, who played SpongeBob, and all the other main people that played Squidward and Patrick Starr. They're all coming back, and the the female that played Sandy Cheeks as well. So if you missed it on Broadway, you're going get, to get to catch it live on Nickelodeon. And isn't that great that everybody else can kind of join in, even if you can't afford to get to Broadway or you, you can't get there, that you can see it on TV? And for those of you that don't know about the music of SpongeBob, it was actually composed by a myriad of pop artists. So you're going to hear many different sounds in the show. The, the score is actually quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Doubtfire has, I think we've talked about this in a podcast previously. We know that it's going to be a musical that's based on the film, but it actually just set dates for its Broadway opening at the C- Stephen Sondheim Theater. It's going to start previews on Monday, March 9th of 2020 and open on Sunday, April 5th of 2020. So next year before the Tonys. And if we get out there spring break, hopefully we'll get to see it. Yes. Now this is written by the same team that wrote Something Rotten. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Wayne Kirkpatrick and Carrie Kirkpatrick. And then it's going to be directed by Jerry Zaks. And it's also going to have choreography by Lauren Lataro. <laughs> That's right. Yes, who choreographed Waitress, the musical. And then they, they have announced some of the characters, but the principal that's going to play the role of Mrs. Doubtfire is going to be portrayed by Rob McClure. And we all know Rob McClure from many, many mid-Broadway shows, uh, most recently Beetlejuice. Yes. And I have a few mixed feelings about this musical coming to Broadway. I am, I'm excited. It's, it is another film mm-hmm. to stage adaptation. Which we all know is very popular right now. Yes, we talk about that every week. I, you know, as a female, um, it's, it's challenging because here is another man dressing as a female, not as a, a transgender person, but as... For, you know, if you, we've all, I'm sure, seen the film with, of course, the wonderful right. and great and late Robin um, Williams. Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. I just, again, is it the right time to do another show that is focused around a man dressing as a woman for, for various reasons? Not those reasons that are like any of those people from trans, the trans um, transgender yeah. community. Especially because we're just jumping off of Tootsie from last mm-hmm. season. And so we're kind of yes. keeping that same momentum going with this cross-dressing men yes. uh, theme uh, in the case of Mrs. Doubtfire. So I'm, I'm curious to see how the uh, re- reaction is to it and mm-hmm. what kind of adaptation they take for the stage production versus the film. Audrey McDonald has also just signed on to appear in this biopic that is based on Aretha Franklin called Respect. Yes. And what's really cool about this, it's going to feature primarily, uh, the cast is going to be made up of primarily Broadway performers that are going to make up uh, various people that come and go in in Ruther Franklin's life. So, uh, for example, we have Heather Headley, uh, who's going to be in the show, who's going to be in the film, uh, Haley Kilgore from Once on this Island. And we also have... um, uh, Titus Burgess is also going to be starring in the show as well. So we see a lot of different kinds of wonderful Broadway talent coming into this uh, film biopic of Aretha Franklin's life. That's really exciting because a lot of times we see them not use Broadway performers or performers that can sing. Right. And I think this is an exciting uh, an exciting idea to have people from Broadway performing people that were a performer in real life. Well, also with Jennifer Hudson playing the role of Aretha Franklin, it's going to bring an, a level of authenticity that often is missing when film stars adapt uh, singing characters. And so I think this is a great thing. And I've always talked about this. We've always talked about this, how we would actually like to see when these films, uh, these musical films are adapted or these biopics are adapted to see Broadway talent come in and actually assume these roles. Oftentimes it's because they're, they're, they're not considered a less celebrities right. in the world of Hollywood. But if you want to really provide an authentic experience, bring Jen- someone like Jennifer Hudson in and have her sing the songs of Aretha. So I'm really excited to see how this show goes. It's coming to cinemas on August 14th of 2020, so next year. So we do have a a while to wait. But how exciting is it going to be to see Audra McDonald playing Jennifer Hudson's mom, all in in respect to Aretha Franklin? We also have another announcement. The musical Fun Home that's doing that one-day performance site-specific in the funeral home that we talked about the past couple weeks, they also just announced that Will Swinson and Kate Baldwin are going to join the cast. And we talked a little bit about this last episode. We did. It's a site specific one it's going to take mm-hmm. place at a jewish community funeral, funeral home? home chapel funeral home. <laughs> right yes. so the fun home is actually going to take place at a funeral home which i think is a really cool concept and it's going to be a staged reading correct yes and we've talked about this in great detail but it also will swinson and kate baldwin um, joining the team as playing bruce mm-hmm. and as um, allison's mother it's going to be i think that's exciting yeah it is yeah. 
Also, we just found out that Laura Benanti is going to be hosting and performing at the 17th annual Broadway Stands Up for Freedom concert. Mm -hmm. It was just announced that Laura Benanti is going to be hosting and performing in this one night event. It is the 17th annual Broadway Stands Up for Freedom concert. And the event this year is going to be themed around my body, my business, which as a female, I'm very excited for. Yes. And it's going to take place on October 28th at 730. Now, there are some great people performing in this. Yeah. yeah. Ava Noblezada, who we all know from Town, is playing Eurydice currently, and Kelly O'Hara, uh, Philippa Sue. Judy Kuhn and many more are going to uh, perform in this benefit concert, and it's going to be directed by none other than Rachel Chapkin. I love that this theme is going to celebrate the power of a woman to choose what happens to her body, Mm -hmm. and that it's also going to be providing encouragement to those people that just don't know how to take control yet, or those of us that are females that need someone to say yes it's okay to take care of your body it's okay to say what you want to do with your body and in the community we're being very supportive of that especially especially in this day and age mm-hmm. where where women's reproductive rights and women's rights bodily rights are being challenged at the highest courts right now absolutely and also those in our in the trans community mm-hmm. being able to make the choices you want to make to um f- feel like who you who you are on the inside matches on the person that you are on the outside that's right and um, it's going to feature all these different bride performers and also some activists that are standing up for freedom and for civil civil liberties for all which is exciting yeah it's a really seems like a really exciting event and uh, I look forward to hearing how the event goes and it's really great to have the Broadway community not just standing up for the rights in the Broadway community like we always say making Mm -hmm. the change making positive change but that does funnel over into society because we're all artists on stage, but we're all human beings every single day of our life. Another announcement that I'm extremely excited for is there is a new musical that has been in the works since 2011, and it is going to have a La Jolla Playhouse performance and run in the spring of 2020. No dates are set yet, but this musical is called Limpica, and it is based on a real strong female (laughs) it's based on tamara de lampica and it's going to be directed by i know we keep saying her name but it is directed by rachel chavkin and um it's going to have a run at la jolla and it's inspired on the life of the artist that transformed herself from penniless refugee to star of the art world when she when, when the world itself teetered on chaos, she looks at the beauty and danger of one painter pursuing it all. And that's from a Broadway world quote. What an exciting theme to take on, especially in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so she was originally a Polish painter. And it really dis- it really delves into her life and dealing with, she painted a lot of um, nude portraits mm-hmm. and she was married to a man and she ends up discovering her this love for another female and how she how she really um, experiences it, and I don't know a lot about this musical other than what they have talked about in the YouTube video clips. Mm-hmm. But again, it's about two women, and not two women in a subservient role. It's about two strong women, and these are the roles that we have been looking for. Yes, these are the kinds of stories that we are trying to tell more of in Broadway. We want to tell stories about powerful women 
who have powerful stories to tell, who aren't secondary characters in a musical who are playing the typical housewife or playing, you know, a stereotypical role. We're seeing complex women telling complex stories. And in the last, there have been a lot of developments um, with this musical, but the last, the most recent one that they think is going to be taken to La Jolla, though it hasn't been announced yet, Eden Espinosa yes. is going to be playing the lead role. And then in the last uh, development that they did, Carmen Cusack played um, the other main leading role, who was the sex worker on the fringe of the Parisian society. And it really takes them through torn of what they should do and how they should experience this passion in a world that it wasn't openly you know, widely accepted. Right. And and there have been a couple people that have preceded Eden Espinosa yes. prior to playing uh, this role of Lampica. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cynthia Revo played mm-hmm. her. Uh, Shoshana Bean also mm-hmm. played her. So uh, it's nice to see these powerful, strong female women in musical theater portraying this powerful role. I think it's something probably they're really connected to. And the script is also written um, by a female. Yay. The script is written by Carson Kreitzer and the music is by Matt Gould. And the choreography is by Raja Feather Kelly. And just listening to some of the clips on YouTube online, it sounds like really exciting music. I think it's got a very contemporary score. Uh, It kind of has a next to normal if then kind of energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's going to have a lot of driving power ballads and a lot of just really great music. So I'm excited to see how the show evolves at La Jolla. And I I know we're definitely going to go down and see it. Absolutely. And I was starting to think about the pathway for Broadway shows that feature these really complex leading roles for women and who really bears the responsibility for promoting and producing these kinds of works and how do they get from you know, an underground studio of of four people <laughs> just putting on the show to getting to a La Jolla, The Globe, uh, a Fifth Ave production and then transferring to Broadway. Whose responsibility is that? And how can we make this more of a norm? I think that's a fantastic question. And I think that that responsibility falls on those that have the, who are already empowered to have a voice in the musical theater, like Rachel Chavkin, who I think not only does she use her voice for positive change, but she uses her voice to help promote stories about complex women, complex stories at the lower level. So when she sees a project or um, someone like Shoshana Bean or Eden Espinosa or Cynthia Riva, Rivo, sorry, sees a, a, a script like this and they see the creative team that is around it, they're willing to go to those workshops, those readings at the lower levels and work and develop and get the voice of these stories told so that they can eventually build some steam. So I think the responsibility of making sure that these stories are told and get publicized does fall on the producers, one of these uh, workshop companies. And we've talked about that in the past. Yeah, because this production actually, and and Rachel didn't even create this. This mm. was actually created by um, Carson Kreitzer, who then said to, hey, to Matt Gold, I really want to, you want to do a musical with me? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, sure. And so they really created, it's really the writers who start everything. And mm-hmm. then they bring a lot of times directors on board, which is what happened with this musical. But it started off, it's been at these festivals. Yes. And we see festivals like this all over, especially San Diego, in other states around the country that are taking the time to produce these musicals on a a, a level 
for them to be seen and heard. I think that falls under their mission statement, really, yes. to not only produce established works, but produce and give voice to up-and-coming and aspiring artists who have a strong message to tell. La Jolla is a perfect example. I think the Globe does that really well, and I think um, mm -hmm. the theater company, that this festival that produced it, mm -hmm. uh, does the exact same thing and has the same mission in mind. And, and then bringing someone like Rachel Chapkin into the project obviously is going to help facilitate more rapid movement in, in the ranks of getting it closer, one step closer towards Broadway. I think what also is has is, is been a challenge is... We always talk about the actors that can't get to the room, that aren't being seen in the room, but it is way before even as a director or an actor gets to the table. How do we get these writers that are actually writing the works about strong characters, strong females, mm -hmm. um, trans uh, people in the trans community, people in the Latinx community, people in the Asian Pacific Islander community, all these other communities that we have, how are we getting these stories to be seen, to be heard. Because let's be honest, most times they slip through the cracks because nobody wants to produce a show that they think will not be a huge, quote, commercial right. success <laughs> that, you know, everyone can't, can't go see because, you know, we have two lesbian characters on stage or, you know, we, it's a musical that's unconventional, unconventional. I'm optimistic and I like to hope that we're moving in a place to a place where people are starting to take more risk with what they're producing or artistic directors and producers are taking more creative risk and mm -hmm. saying, you know what, let's step outside of the box. Let's facilitate change uh, and not just do business as usual. I'd like to hope that's the case. And it <laughs> seems like we're moving in that direction. This is a great example of that, but I'm glad this is happening because this is a musical that I'm extremely excited yes. about. But I, I hope that we start to see more and more of this and how can we help? And I think you do this quite often. You have um, a festival where you bring in new musicals, and you just worked on the past year ago a new musical. That's right. Uh, we do at Fullerton. We uh, every other year usually we try to do a new musical theater initiative, and I know uh, some other schools do that. San Diego State does that. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Pace that does Pace that. does that as well. We did that um, at, when I was at SDSU as well. We workshop Ryan Scott Oliver's new musical, We Foxes. That's right. And I think at the collegiate level, we have a tremendous responsibility to make sure that we are creating a space for our young. Uh, student performers mm -hmm. to get to experience what it's like to workshop new musicals or new plays and inviting creative teams who have been dying to have been knocking on the door and dying to get in the room right. and what better environment than a collegiate environment where we can provide them with student performers we can provide them with designers we can provide them with space free, cheap. for free yeah what's the musical you just worked on that was a new one it was okay better best it was right. a small musical it actually workshopped at um it went to studio 54 and um Ali Stoker starred in the uh, Studio 54 production, and uh, Rhonda Kess and Michael Weems, I picked it up, and we brought it to Fullerton. And who and, wrote that? Uh, sorry, uh, Rhonda Kess and Michael Weems uh, were the creative team that wrote the show, and it's been workshop for, for a couple mm -hmm. of years, and it's still developing. But to, to get the opportunity to have my students get their hands on it and bring Rhonda in to actually MD and play this show uh, when we had the live performance was a truly magical experience, and it's something I'm really passionate about promoting, and I think everyone at collegiate level should, should promote new yeah. musical theater initiatives. When my last year at San Diego State, we started this as well, where um, my mentor, Rob Meff, we started the initiative of having new musicals. So we brought in Ryan Scott Oliver mm -hmm. and worked on his one of his new musicals, We Foxes. And we got to actually work and go through the process and put on the, a reading as well for, for him to see it and work it. And it was really fascinating to get new pages. And it's just really exciting working with 
new contemporary works that are out of the box. It was like a gothic thriller. It was such an amazing experience. And I think, as you're saying, that's a great way to start. Or Mm -hmm. any theater company that can do a new work that doesn't cost a lot of money, that's new, something exciting and different for their donors. It's finding the way for these voices to be heard. That's right. And that's what we're about. You know, it's about, and that's not just, that's in all walks of life. We want to make sure that we are promoting at all levels new works that tell new stories uh, in unique kinds of ways. Absolutely. Let's go back to our the answer for our puzzler, Tim. Okay. So the puzzler for today is, what female actress dominated the 1920s and early 1930s as one of the most popular Broadway musical stars, playing rags-to-riches Cinderella characters? And the answer is... Marilyn, Marilyn Miller. Miller. So the wonderful Marilyn Miller, of course, starred in... A lot of the Cinderella musicals that were written by Jerome, Jerome Kern. Kern right? Yes. And um, she's most known for starring in Sally. Mm-hmm. So it's these musicals that were written for the Princess Theater back in the, the 20s mm-hmm. and into the 30s that were these rags to riches musicals. And it was really the first time, I, I believe, in musical theater uh, that we see strong female characters as kind of the point uh, the focal point in mm-hmm. the actual script, mm-hmm. uh, and they're strong, they're stubborn, they're they're uh, they have a, a a very big personality in the shows. Yes, and I mean it's the 20s, so it's yeah. not like. <laughs> but it's not like yeah, we're, <laughs> the 2019. But, but for the 1920s, it that's was a, strong. That's a big movement. Yes, and so she was a, a tap dancer, a singer, an actress, and she really was endearing on stage. She unfortunately passed away very young at the age of 37, and she was this glorious performer on stage. Yet she had a really tragic life off stage. She um, had a lot of challenges, a lot of personal illness and alcoholism, and um, unfortunately died too young. Well, we're going to leave you today with a little uh, audio clip of the book writer and lyricist Carson Kreitzer, uh, who wrote the uh, book and lyrics for Limpica, the show we were talking about earlier. And she's going to discuss a little bit about what the process and the journey was like bringing this show to conception. And so we're going to leave you with that and have a wonderful week, everyone. She was so driven and she would stay up all night painting and she worked on seven or eight things at once, letting each layer dry. So there's just this glow to the work. Um, And I think Matt and I both just really hooked into that, like, right, you, you keep working and you keep working and it consumes you. And that is, that is the thrill of her.